Recording this pod moments after one of the best performances of the season. I'll say this on the top. Congratulations, Liverpool. All right, there. It's. It can, can, we we, not, can we just not? Let's just not. Yeah. Can we not? Ugh. 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 All right, hang on. Ugh. Let's restart this. All right, okay. You're welcome, Liverpool. Hey, that's better. Yeah, like that better. you're welcome. Look, I'm not going to come out here and do the super cocky thing. Is like, yeah, well, we had to do it for you. You're welcome, Liverpool. I'm not going to do that, even though I kind of just did. But look, at, follow me down this path. Think of it as you're ending Manchester City's title reign rather than clinching it for Liverpool. Because Manchester City, tremendous champions. Tremendous. And that is a message to the rest of the Premier League, and you're damn sure it's a message to Liverpool. Enjoy it. God knows it took you long enough. Chelsea are coming. And with performances like that, they keep proving it to you. I don't really see Liverpool spending money over the bar trying to fight off the likes of this young, energetic, fierce Chelsea squad. Here are my initial thoughts for the game, and we'll welcome in the neutral observer. <clears throat> the neutral observer, Chris Whittingham. Always one of the uh, the fun fixtures here on Chelsea Miked Up. A bonus Chelsea Miked Up, our second bonus. This is historic. But you all saw your Twitter timelines. I'm curious, Chris, what the rating is going to be for this match because there's not a lot of competition out there. A lot of American sports fans are starved. For something and boy did this match deliver it's funny that you you brought that up and you mentioned that during the match that there are non-Chelsea fans that are on your Twitter timeline and it's not just that it is sports it's sports that we understand what the stakes are it's sports that we would care about otherwise and it's sports that delivered in terms of quality that game was just flatly fun like the two teams going at each other Chelsea threatening despite not having a ton of the ball it always seemed like they were on the verge of creating something that game was just from an entertainment it was a spectacle and obviously the Liverpool thing was hanging over the whole game and Chelsea's Champions League places hanging over the whole game City not going down as champions for a few more days which there was so much hanging over the game from a narrative standpoint and from a quality standpoint it was just everything you could ever want out of this desperate time for sports we can't watch anything right now I honestly think this match is going to live forever just like the the Tottenham Chelsea match four years ago that clinched it for Leicester City people still remember that match and Arlo's majestic goal call by the way Arlo come on it was a clear handball (laughs) I know you're doing this off a small monitor and you're six feet away from your partner someone get Arlo a better (laughs) camera view this was a clear as a handball I was screaming at my television the commentators had me convinced that VAR might rear its ugly head here Chris yeah well I mean it required VAR to succeed right and how often this season has a fan of any Premier League club been confident that VAR will succeed but that was full Suarez that was batting the ball off the line I think I saw in the first replay the swinging motion of Fernandinho's arm like did he swing his arm there and immediately when they go to the close-up you're looking for it and sure enough nailed on red card you and I on our on our text uh, chat were saying Fernandinho probably could have been sent off for the earlier Pulisic chance when Pulisic's cleaning on goal Fernandinho goes snapping it and just because Pulisic doesn't go down doesn't mean it wasn't a foul on a red card Typical American. For the love of God, you're playing in the Premier League. Learn how to (laughs) fall when a foul like that occurs. My God. And they didn't even cover that. Look, I had all sorts of frustrations. NBC does an amazing job with the coverage. And these are 
obviously unique circumstances, but I'm not crazy after my glorious soccer god scores an amazing goal where he displays world-class speed. Honestly, just shambolic from those center backs at Manchester City. Chris, we were talking about the Chelsea center backs entering this match. Oh my lord! Manchester City, I'd had no idea it was that big of an issue. Well, so on the first goal, it was neither center back was involved in that passage in play. It was Benjamin Mendy and Ilkay Gundogan who were stuck back from the corner. But either way, what that was, I have no idea. And then on numerous occasions, Fernandinho is getting blown past. And that second goal is absolutely the fault of Fernandinho being on the line. And the whole scrambling, even before we get there, is the fault of that defense. So it's been Manchester City's problem all year. And the thing is, is that with Americ Laporte, it was supposed to be better because he's finally fit and he's in that back line. But Still huge problems defensively at times today for Man City. Yeah, and Chelsea at first were not taking it to Manchester City. in the way that we'd seen previously in an earlier matchup between these squads, they finally regained some possession in the midfield. I thought they were very good after they scored. Obviously, easy to say after someone gets sent off like that. Back to my original point, because I don't want want this to get lost. When my soccer god scores in that fashion, show me the replay of the goal... I don't care for Liverpool fans celebrating. We could have done that later, NBC. I'm just saying, I know this is a Chelsea pod. Yeah. I'm being emotional. I understand the thought that went into it, but when it's a Christian Pulisic goal, yeah. you stick with that. But I'll give NBC some slack here. Now, I, the whole time, was furious at how much you were mentioning Liverpool. Because, first off, the game of its own volition was fun, but... For crying out loud, they weren't playing in the game. Like, can we shut up about Liverpool? But the feed they're taking is being produced by the English broadcaster, BT. They have no say in what actually goes on the screen. And so BT is the one that went to the Liverpool fans on Zoom. They had their little watch party organized. So it's not like they could cut away to Pulisic because it's the American feed. They had to take whatever they were given. But still, like, even the commentary of, oh, this could be the goal that leads to Liverpool. When it's like, hey, Pulisic just scored, is, man. Like, you have an, an entire country story here. An entire country erupts on social media. You have the entire attention of the American sports fan, really. There are people that you're just not going to get into the tent. I understand that. But you got a whole bunch of new people that are tuning in, not just to see a match between two clubs they instantly recognize, but to watch Christian Pulisic and Chris. Christian Pulisic absolutely delivered. It's going to get to the point where Christian's just going to force Frank Lampard and dare him to remove him from this starting 11. He is just, when he is fit, he makes his team so much better. Here's a hot take. Christian Pulisic is good. He's good at this level. He's good at any level. He can play in the Champions League. He can play for a big club. Christian Pulisic is good. And I I just don't know how often, I actually saw a, a tweet, I believe it was from Kim McCauley of SB Nation, who was saying, Christian Pulisic is underrated by U.S. men's national team fans because they haven't gone to a World Cup and because generally the U.S. soccer program has been on down times during Christian Pulisic's era. It's almost like he doesn't get enough credit that it's not, oh, no, this player can belong at this level. And today, the performance that he put in, and yes, he gets the goal and came inches away from getting a second after rounding Ederson. Every flick, every pass, every touch was crisp. He was superb in this match today. And it's really hard to come back from six months off. 
off. For a player to be that sharp, and both goals, or both near goals, come from just being on top of the game. The first goal, where it's just a lazy pass between two players at the back for Man City, and then that touch to get past the defender, where he looks like he's flying past him. That's speed I've never seen from Christian Pulisic before. And then the second goal, where it's just an awkward bounce there for Fernandinho, and again, it's just the pace. He made a run towards Fernandinho that was, if you judge this wrong, I will be there. That alertness, that sharpness is on top, top form from Christian right now. I understand what Frank Lampard was doing at the beginning of the season, and I understand Christian had a dip in form and then definitely struggled with fitness. This is going to be the key for Christian at Chelsea. He is going to have to stay healthy, and it's one of those things. You can have unlucky breaks. Someone can come in for a slide tackle. Not all of this is in his hands, but if he is fit, he is definitely one of the best players on this team, one of the more essential players on this team, because Lord knows we've seen time and time again a cross with no one in the right position to put it away. Christian Pulisic is always in the right position, except for that one time him and Tammy both went up the middle uh, because he's like, oh man, someone else is making the right run too? (laughs) That was a little bit surprising, but so many great performances. Christensen, this makes me uncomfortable because... I mean, I'm pretty much taught here in the States that that's a concussion. I I don't know about you. At the very least, he should be in a protocol of some sort. Yeah, and Arlo absolutely articulated the sentiment over here. He's like, why can't we get this fixed? Why can't there be a a temporary sub? This seems like such a stupid, antiquated rule. It actually will look barbaric, I think, when we eventually fix this years down the line. But Christensen, what a performance from him. Answers the bell. Rudiger, it's always dicey. When he goes up in the air, he's not exactly (laughs) sure where it's going to go when his skull makes contact with the ball. But he was good. Man, a lot of people were good. Some consistency along that back line helps Keppa. Let's focus on Keppa because both keepers really struggled, I thought, in their distribution. Keppa, with that ball that failed to sail over Mares, put this team in a really bad spot, almost inexcusable considering the short leash he's on, Chris. Very nearly, probably should have been a goal from Bernardo Silva. He doesn't quite get clean purchase on the ball when, when he's in that attacking situation. But yeah, and then there was the other ball that was kind of meant towards the right flank, towards Aspiliqueta that just kind of sailed on him. And from there on out, I think it was pretty clear that the directive came from the manager. Anytime the ball gets near you, just boot it. Just, just get rid of it. Like, let's not try and play out and make a mistake that's going to lead to a goal. And if that's what Keppa is meant to bring as a goalkeeper, skill with his feet, and then you ask him to perform those skills and they're not there, he better make some incredible saves. And to be fair to him, he made one or two, but that generally has not been his strength at Chelsea. So they have to get that right or else Keppa is underutilized, misutilized, or just properly utilized as not having that skill, which he was thought to have. One of my knee-jerk takeaways from this is uh, I think Frank is playing what's happening with center forward brilliantly. Giroud is a player that you trust. What he brings to the team is so necessary. And I like Tammy in that role coming off the bench, providing a different look, giving you speed. It was essential in killing off time. Him and Willian, I thought, really shined towards the latter part of that match and delivering what Frank Lampard absolutely needed from a just let's get this match over with. This is a huge result. I understand the eyes of the world are on Liverpool and first title, yada, yada, yada. Not a lot of people predicting Chelsea getting all three points in a massive top four battle with Manchester United nipping at their heels. And Manchester United, if they figured this thing out with Martial, Fit, and Pogba back in the good graces, and Greenwood, I love what he brings to that team, and Rashford, 
remember, before the suspension of play, Rashford was dealing with a knock, and you were almost sort of resigned to the fact that, man, the injuries are going to catch up to that team, and they're never going to figure that out with Pogba. That is a very soft schedule for Manchester United coming up. Granted, they've struggled with those teams, but they have just so much class right now that I don't really think we can expect this form of Manchester United to drop points. So this is a massive result. Yes, I was looking at the table and it's like, oh, again, this is tight pre-match. And you're right, because the dominant storyline is Liverpool, I had even forgotten, oh, it took me like on 85 minutes when it was pretty clear that City were not going to make a comeback. This is a massive win for Chelsea. To establish five points before an FA Cup quarterfinal against Leicester City, you can really go for it now. And then after that, and look, these are the teams that at times they struggled against, but at West Ham, dreadful after the restart, and home with Watford, who seem incapable of scoring a goal after the restart. You win those two games, you put yourself in very good position for those final two, but Wolves and Manchester United both come out of the break looking really good. So this is a huge victory to establish that comfort, even if... Fifth can get you in the Champions League next year with the Man City European ban, if that's confirmed. You don't want to lean on that. You don't want to need it. And so the three points today, to get something, I mean, they were betting underdogs. Huge. Absolutely massive as you head towards games you're going to be favored in. Because then it's Palace after that. I don't believe they have a big six side for a little while here. So it's only Liverpool on the second to last game of the season that they have that is a big six side. And they've already locked up the title. So who knows what their motivation is. But the fixture list is looking kind for Chelsea right now after this win. Let's talk a little bit about Mason Mount. Again, bringing to the table what Frank Lampard is looking for from a pressing dynamic. But once again, has that one moment that you remember from the game where... He steals the ball after an awful pass from Ederson. Once again, his pressing creates a chance, and his pressing created an earlier chance in the game as well. I thought that's what Mason Mount does. That's vintage Mm -hmm. Mason Mount. But unfortunately, vintage Mason Mount also means balls at his feet. He's winning the numbers game, has a teammate on his right. What play are you going to make, Mason? Well, all too often, it's the wrong play. Uh, Maybe the odds say put it on the keeper there, but... He doesn't put it on the keeper. It goes just wide. If Mason Mount can learn to finish, this is a very special number eight. Until then, he's going to need to be surrounded by all-world talent. Your take. Especially in such an important position. Again, he's asked to play in the advanced two in front of Conte alongside Ross Barkley, who I thought played well in the game as well. But... You're right. He's going to get into those opportunities. If you are someone who create, if you create chances for yourself, that's half the battle. You can see why Frank Lampard wants to give him every chance because if that hard work and endeavor is going to create you chances, it's everything you'd want out of someone in that position. But the finishing is just not there. And you're right. He fires it into side netting when he could have played a square ball or you know try to go far post opposite Ederson. We have to keep in mind he's a young player. He can learn to be more clinical. Let's not pretend like we haven't seen that development with certain players. Again, though, he's played every match. Frank Lampard obviously fancies him as a player. He's done a lot of good stuff. We're coming off of an Aston Villa performance where you could have made, outside of Conte, you could have made a very solid argument that Mason Mount was man of the match. But he's going to frustrate you, and this is part of playing a young player. This is the roller coaster of emotions. I don't want to concentrate too much on that because overall I thought he was good. He wasn't Christian Pulisic good, and here we go with this. We're going with this narrative because it does seem more and more like Twitter is divided. 
team Christian, team Mason. It's unfortunate to both players, especially since they're both versatile. I think today they showed you that they can coexist. There was that one time where Mason and Christian just weren't on the same page on the counterattack, and Mason expected Christian to be somewhere else, and Christian, he's fast. If he can't get to a ball, you probably overplayed it, Mason. Yeah, yeah it was that through ball down that right channel, wasn't it? But what did you make of Christian? Because I, I, I kind of sung his praises, but what did you think of Christian today? Well, I thought early on he was just like, he, he got dispossessed early, and we've seen that in previous matches, Chris, where mm-hmm. he, he's trusted by Frank Lampard, and then maybe Christian presses a little bit much. I liked the speed that he was playing with, obviously, his aggressiveness. He was doing what Frank Lampard was asking, and it was just a matter of getting on the same page and getting the timing down with some teammates that he hasn't been out there a lot with, right? It's understandable. And he was just missing some of these passes. He had a nice ball played down the middle of the field that I think it was Giroud who kind of shinned it a little bit, did his best with the touch. But I was like, man, this is this kind of feels like some of the earlier opportunities. And then a glorious misplay from Manchester City. Sort of, you get it, you get it. Oh my God, who the hell is that? And a blue blur comes streaking down. Now, the speed, we know that's what Christian Pulisic brings to the table. But so many strikers. Hell, Raheem Sterling is a tremendous player for Manchester City. How many times do you see him get a blazing counterattack and doesn't have the clinical finish? That finish for that first goal, he put it the only possible place, at least the only possible side that he could put it at, outside of Ederson's outreached arms. And if you're an American, if you're a Chelsea fan, if you're a fan of the beautiful game, my God, what a finish. You know that obviously you're going to have to make a decision about what you're going to do. You can drag it around the keeper. You can try and chip the keeper because he's so far out. But he had very clearly settled on, I'm going to curl it around him. And the way that it comes off, like into the bottom corner, like not even into the middle of the goal, into the bottom corner. And from the camera angle, it's perfectly in line with the bend. Just fantastic and like you said how many times do players end up in 1v1 and always you hear the commentator when they don't score it says well he has to score there and it's not that simple I I remember the Martinelli chance for Arsenal against Chelsea when he put that one away like that's not a guarantee just because you're running unabated for 50 yards you're in behind the defense it is not that simple and Christian just made it look so easy and this that comes courtesy of Chad from Chelsea Chatter Christian Pulisic with eight goals now has scored more than Salah De Bruyne, Lukaku, Falcao, and Pato combined. <laughs> For Chelsea. For Chelsea. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, not, that wasn't all time? I mean, I love that Pato is in that group, right. by the way. <laughs> I mean, yeah, man. I'm, I'm an American. I'm a Chelsea fan. I'm on cloud nine. Let's talk about what this means in an even more macro sense, because obviously massive for this season's campaign, massive with incoming signings. But let's talk about those incoming signings. Ziyech, Werner, obviously taking Chelsea to a next level. We'll see what happens along that back line and at the keeper position, because even though Chelsea win an important match today, I think we come away feeling even shakier about Kepa's prospects, considering some of the mistakes that he made. Chelsea this is a lukewarm hot take, are clearly, clearly the biggest threat to Liverpool right now. This is a huge qualifier because Sancho coming into the Manchester United side, that's obviously a bit of a game changer. They have so many weapons there. But I think just considering how they've played recently over this Liverpool run, Chelsea always hang around, play them tough. Not an easy fixture. We just saw Liverpool go out in the FA Cup to Chelsea. Considering the youth, considering the natural growth and development of some of these players, Frank Lampard becoming a more seasoned manager and the world-class skill of Werner and Ziyech. Chris, 
This is a keep it warm scenario for Liverpool, I feel. The result of the European ban will play a huge role for Man City because if they get off, if they get no European ban... I think they're going to go right into the transfer market. They're not going to be shy, particularly after being emboldened from winning against UEFA. So I think they might just go for it straight away and and start spending money again. So I think that is a real possibility. But I agree with you. I think at the moment, Chelsea are on the up. They've come out of the coronavirus break on good form. They beat a top side at home. And these big six clashes are how you measure yourself. And on this measurement, before two huge pieces are still to come in, and perhaps even more, I think they have measured up very well against the second best team in the Premier League and probably deserved the three points by the end of the match. So you're right. I think that this measurement against this team was massive for the confidence going forward. And ultimately, they're accelerating a three-year plan here. I don't know if it's necessarily going to win the league next year just because Liverpool are so good. And you'd have to imagine that unless they you know, are picked for parts, which you can't imagine that they will be, it's, it's going to be Salah, Firmino, and Mane up top again. It's going to be Van Dijk and Alisson at the back. Like You, you have to imagine that it's going to be a really strong team again, that it'll be hard for someone to catch them next year. But Chelsea appear to be the most likely candidate at the moment. Well, let me rest assured, this is going to be the most lukewarm hot take. Mm. Liverpool won't have such an easy go of it next year. <laughs> they, they won't clinch yep. the title as early, even though the latest possible time looking at the calendar. It's, <laughs> yeah. all, it's a very confusing Match time. Match day 31, here, yeah. Yeah, and another thing, it's, I'm glad you mentioned that point about Manchester City. A lot is hinging upon this, uh, this ban that uh, looms overhead because, look, say they, they are banned from European football. Are they going to sell their players? Are players going to demand out? Even if they do, how many of those players? Because Foden is going to be a tremendous replacement for David Silva. And now you have Manchester City not having to worry about the pressures of European football, not having to worry about rotating their squad for those fixtures. Chelsea fans know they won a title one year without having to worry about European football. So uh, certainly an interesting proposition, but I do think we're going to have a far more dramatic title chase with Manchester United getting better, the uncertainty surrounding Manchester City, Chelsea, obviously the expectation is that they get better. And Liverpool, as they've shown you here in recent months, maybe their peak was last year Champions League. And not that this is a downward trajectory, but at the safest possible respect. Plateau? Right. I mean, well, they've drawn twice and lost once. So Okay, I so mean, downward trajectory. There we <laughs> yeah. go. I mean, you don't, you don't want to go after the champions so hard, but look... <laughs> You won the championship at a historic clip. Mm-hmm. My hot take is that you're not going to do it as easy next time. Let's talk a little bit once again about Christensen because we went over the uh, the incident where he takes the ball off the top of the head. But I want to talk about specifically his performance. That's obviously going to be controversial, but no mistakes, obviously, which has been the number one problem with our center backs. They always make that one mistake that leads to the goal. Sturdy, great distribution on the same page. Their trapping was great. Yeah, once again, we get beaten by a set piece, but that KDB goal, what can you do? Once again, uh, Keppa, nothing he could do about that one. <laughs> although although he didn't stand there and watch it. like he, he actually dove for it, to be fair to him, but my God, what a free kick. I just thought, in general, the whole team shape from a defensive standpoint, I thought City really liked a focal point until Gabriel Jesus came on. The whole play six midfielders and try and pass through it was not going to work against Chelsea. They put five in midfield and four in defense. That wasn't going to work, but the defenders, I thought, and it's very easy to fall into pressure against Man City. They press really hard. It's kind of like the underrated thing about their abilities is that defensively, they get after teams when they don't have the ball, but it didn't really feel at any point like they were going to be the ones responsible for the big error. So the back line, uh, outside of, look, the, the wingers, I thought 
thought William was very good. I thought Giroud up top, that's probably your unit of the match. Back line was tremendous considering the expectations entering this match. Obviously the trouble spot, a curious decision in that midfield. I thought at times, especially in that first half, Chris, that Chelsea desperately miss a player like Jorginho who could keep possession because that was a huge issue in that first half, at least. Yeah, looking for an outlet because Man City try to press you into a specific area and then there's nowhere for you to pass the ball. It's very often towards the left and then Marcus Alonso had to try and find an option. It seemed like he usually went long with it or was trying to play really difficult balls into Christian Pulisic's feet and it just wasn't working. So you're right. Jorginho, he always drifts towards the player with the ball. And there was one time where N'Golo Kante did that, where he went towards the defender, picked up a ball and played this really dangerous pass to Christensen. I was like, yes, Kante can do it. Like I was like delighting in, in his bravery to play this sideways pass to Andreas Christensen that's ultimately meaningless in the game but to me it shows that yes Conte has some of that but Jorginho that's all he thinks about when he's out there it's always try to get the ball from one place to the next respect to William and Pedro now Pedro's future is certain he's agreed to terms with Roma he'll be going there next season obviously was an impact sub I thought Ederson made a brilliant save on that trademark yes. curler from Pedro you don't often see someone get their fingertips to that P- Pedro if you were questioning where his head might be for this final run with Chelsea he is out to impress I mean full motor out there give me that Pedro and William clap it up I know this guy has been a bit of a frustrating player at times, and then you forgive it all because he'll give you a moment of brilliance. I thought today he was excellent, exactly what Chelsea needed, especially when they got that lead. And that PK, balls, Chris. Do we have, can I say balls? (laughs) Balls. No one was taking that from him either, Chris. No, 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 that was his. That was his. It's a great take. And especially after that moment, because it's very clearly the moment in the game. You've had the Man City defender sent off. You know that if you score this goal, you've basically won the game. That is the game at his feet. And to to dispatch that so calmly, tremendous take from Willian. We're recording this right after the match, and there are scenes right now in Liverpool, as you can imagine. Um, if you're worried about this pandemic, take it from two Floridians. You may want to ease up there, guys. I'm just saying, <laughs> you can you can do the the car caravan and celebrate. This is what everybody was a little bit of afraid of, but not that you can ever make an excuse for this type of behavior. But 30 years is a long wait. I'm already getting antsy because it's been a couple of years for Chelsea, and I certainly want to uh, know what that feels like again. Let's listen in on the manager, Frank Lampard, his post-match thoughts, because this was a game that not many people picked Chelsea to win. Obviously, a massive three points as Chelsea looked to lock in their European placement. Let's hear from the gaffer. You always try and limit your errors, um, which has been issues at times, and you always try and capitalize it. But when you've got pace and when you've got players like Christian who can get away from people and drive with the ball, um, and you can do that. And we knew, you know, we've had, a, I think, more ball than any team regularly this season in games, you know, the bigger percentage. But today against Manchester City, when they play a bit of a false nine and they've got bodies in midfield, it's really tough. Uh, so we had to tweak a little bit at half time, suffer certainly in the first 20 minutes of the second half. But we, I think we deserve the win on chances. All right, so Chris, we've obviously done our preview episode earlier in the week. Go ahead and check that out. It's still pretty evergreen. Listen to our Millie Bright interview. You're going to love her and our lesser city preview for the FA Cup. Nothing's really changed in regards to how we view that match anyways. Ben Chilwell, the big storyline. Where do we go from here? What did we learn? Obviously, Chelsea have some matches still coming up. They have to continue to take care of business. But where are we positioned? What's on deck for Chelsea? 
how just so the audience knows exactly how massive these three points were. Yeah, I think it's three points that you might not necessarily have expected. You might have expected to get one, but all three, it's a huge boost. It leaves you five points clear of Man United and Wolves, who I think, can we now say that's the race for fourth? Because Tottenham right now is in seventh. They're nine points behind Chelsea. I find it hard to believe that Tottenham can make up nine points between now and the end of the season. But Manchester United in fifth on 49 points. Wolves on sixth. Another uh, midweek win for them. So it just feels like they are on their way towards competing for this. They have a, a morning match on Saturday against Aston Villa. You imagine if they get three points there the races tighten back up again. So for me, those are the two teams that are competing. And Chelsea now at least has a five-point gap to head towards two matches, as you mentioned earlier, coming up against fairly straightforward opponents. When you look at West Ham, when you look at Watford, and then you also have Crystal Palace on the back of that. Sheffield United, then Norwich as well. That one's at home. So three of the next five in the Premier League are against sides that are currently uh, in the relegation race. So those have to be wins. Lots of London derbies. Those are never easy. Don't take those for granted. Chelsea are a young team. They're going to be peaks and they're going to be frustrating valleys. They've lost to the likes of West Ham earlier this season. So don't take that for granted. Enjoy this. Obviously, it feels like a bit of a different season. It feels like Chelsea are turning a bit of a corner here, getting you a little bit more consistency. So obviously exciting times for Chelsea. We hope you enjoy this bonus pod. My daughter is still screaming, crying because of the noise that came out of my body after Christian Pulisic scored. I have a lot of explaining to do. I think this is a traumatic experience that I won't know the full repercussions for several years thereafter. But obviously, we saw the excitement out there on social media. A lot of people wanted to hear this emergency pod. So we're delivering. Thank you so much. Please reward us with a subscription. If you're new to the party, I can't blame you. There's not a lot going on. We do a pod or two every week from here on out. And it's not going to be a long off season. And if it is, it's going to be an exciting one because Chelsea are making moves. Reward us with a follow or a subscription on your platform of choice. We will be back with you next week. We have a tremendous interview with Irv Smalls from FC Harlem. You're going to want to hear this. We talk about pay to play, the youth academy system here in the United States, and the amazing work Chelsea is doing with FC Harlem. You're going to want to listen to that. Lots of great episodes and access on the way to you, the listener. Till we speak again, up the Chelsea.